What is going on, FA Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Matt Sells and John and Pemba. The family is with you, and it's time for another Hangout. It's the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. Guys, what's going on? How have your weeks been going? Fantasy football, it has been wild as advertised, but we're still trudging along here on FantasyAlarm.com, helping everybody get those rings in 2020. Yeah, wild is an understatement. Uh, week five with the Tuesday football and, you know, a couple of games got canceled. Some teams got shifted around. And then the Titans, the team that was supposed to be unprepared for a game after practicing twice in 16 days, uh, literally, literally shoved the Bills out of the way. I don't know if anybody saw the most disrespectful stiff arm in NFL history. On Tuesday night when Derrick Henry literally made Josh Norman fly through the air. Um, but yeah, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy NFL week. Um, but no Thursday football, so that's kind of nice, actually. Kind of like gonna, it. I was gonna say, what do you guys think about this? What do you guys think about having football outside of Sunday? So let, let's kind of go around here and check out what everyone's interest is. Because I'll be honest with you guys. I am not a big Thursday night football guy. I like it to all be on this Sunday, and then maybe you give us a couple games on Monday night. But I'm not down with the Tuesday or the Thursday. Now, in these extenuating circumstances, like the old Facebook status said, I'll take whatever I can get. But when it comes to regularly Thursday night football, nah, I'm ready for Sunday, and I'm ready for Monday. That's what Sunday's for. When I was on the Fantasy Alarm show filling in for Jim Bowden a couple weeks ago, Hire and I talked about this. And I suggested getting rid of the Thursday night football game and giving us a Monday doubleheader. Now, I know, Fensty, you had said you weren't a huge fan of the Monday doubleheader because the first game recently when they did that started at like 5 o'clock. I think I was talking to you about this. Could have been somebody else. We talked to everybody. Oh, no, dude, I'm with you 100%. I would take a doubleheader on Okay, so I'm I'm for the Sunday doubleheader, and, and they should do it like they did opening week, right, where... One, it's a West Coast game, so it starts at 10 o'clock. Then it's, you know, a 7 o'clock game out there. Have the East Coast game start at the regular time or bump it up an hour so it starts at 9 and 6 or whatever. Like, I'm I'm cool with all of that. I'd much rather a Monday doubleheader than a Thursday game. I think the players would much rather have a Monday doubleheader than a Thursday game. I don't need a Saturday game. We have college football if you're looking for your football fix. I understand they moved to Saturdays during the playoffs and whatever. I don't need Saturday. Let me let me get all my things done on a Saturday so I can sit down and watch football all day Sunday. So uh, for me, give me the big Sunday slate. Give me the Monday doubleheader. Let's call it a weekend. Yep, precisely. Except this weekend, I think the first Monday game is at what four in the af- five in the afternoon. That's right. It's, or four in the afternoon, something like it's, that. It's five. Yeah, five. Yeah, yeah, five Eastern, four Central. So it's going to be in the middle of the afternoon on a Monday. On Fox, I'm sure Fox is terribly excited about that viewership. Well, um, at least everybody's home. Yeah, so I mean that's true. It is. That is it's also true. it's also Kansas City and Buffalo, so I think people will make that. Right. You know, they'll want to watch it because they're two pretty good teams. Um, I completely agree. Get get rid of Thursday football. Um, as Howard pointed out on one of the live streams, uh, I guess yeah, on Tuesday night's wager alarm live stream. He was like, the week actually allows you to prepare your research without Thursday games because with the Thursday game, you got to make, you got to look at your fantasy football rosters a lot sooner. You got to make decisions without full weeks of practice because you might have a guy playing in the Thursday game versus everybody else playing on Sunday. You got to make maybe injury decisions, flex decisions, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, Frankly, the Thursday games have been crap for like six or seven years at this point. Like, they're just not good. Instead of giving us a better um, product, they just give us color rush jerseys. Yeah, like, which, by the <laughs> way, the Bills and Jets color rush jerseys a couple of years ago caused a problem for colorblind people because one of them disappeared. And so it looked like one team was just out there running routes against nobody else because they couldn't, you literally couldn't see them if you were colorblind. And I think it was the Bills wearing red ones. Or the Jets wearing yeah, green. it was one red, of them, and people are red green colorblind, so like right. they couldn't tell the difference. One of the teams disappeared, the teams. so it looked like eleven man practice just running out there, and then the Jets still couldn't catch balls, so that was really entertaining for them, for for people. But yeah, just get rid of Thursday, play on Sundays, and then play a doubleheader Monday. 
<laughs> I can't believe that. Oh yeah, there was a big there was a big stink about it because it was what? Jets. Bitch. People were tweeting about it. They're like, I'm colorblind. I can't oh tell who a team God. is what. It's yeah. Like... And by the way, more men are colorblind than women. And not to say that women don't watch football. I'm just saying the viewership for football is generally higher with men, and men tend to be red green colorblind. So that's going to be a problem for your for your viewers. We had this problem in a game of Risk in college one time. We had a guy who was colorblind. We gave him red because he was one of the last people to join the game, and he spent half the game trying to attack himself because he couldn't tell the difference between red and green. Oh, wow. So finally, one of our friends who was like the gray pieces just swapped with him because at that point, it doesn't matter if you attack red or green. You're not attacking yourself. So, yeah. Long story short, get rid of Thursday football. Yeah, isn't the whole point of risk to, like, conquer Australia first? Isn't that the key? You get Australia, and that gives you leverage the rest of the game or something like that? Yeah, because you can hold the continent, so you get the continent bonus, and then you can move up through, like... uh... Ask me how I know that. Well, you're going to tell me anyway, because you you prefaced it with, why should we be asking you? So ask me. (laughs) How do you know that? I don't know, to be honest with you. I found out randomly along the way. But guys, speaking of risk here, let's talk about something that's going to continue to impact us. And that's what the expectation should be, as it has been the last few weeks. And that is COVID. I know it's the virus that shall not be named, but we have to get come to grips with reality. It's going to continue to happen. That's my expectation. It's going to keep me on my heels the rest of fantasy football, but that's the trade-off. Fantasy football in this environment is better than no fantasy football at all. But there's something that we have to talk about, and that's the whole concept of risking it on players who are playing in the rescheduled game. I'll be honest with you. I had a very tough time having confidence starting Titans and Bills players, and I essentially almost lost sleep trying to decide between Latavius Murray on Monday night or Devin Singletary on Tuesday night, knowing that there's a good chance that Zach Moss wasn't playing. But I got spooked because, yeah, the game was on, but who knows? The Tuesday, someone wakes up, has it, game's off. I get a zero, guys. How do you feel about that? Because it's killing me a little bit, man. I'm I'm a defensive player. That's who I am. I'm a pragmatist as well. But... I, I don't want to risk a zero, man. I don't have a lot of five and O teams because of a lot of injuries that I've suffered on the multitude of my teams. I did the same thing you did. I had to sit guys because the uncertainty of of playing Monday and the and or Tuesday rather. And though it seemed like very likely that they were gonna do everything to get this game played, really it, I don't even think it would have mattered if somebody popped positive on the Titans that morning. I think they would have they would have just gotten that game in. Uh the NFL hits a lot of things have leaked out that the NFL really doesn't want to go to a week 18. They just want to make these things happen the best they can. Um, we had the coach for the Titans, you know, pop positive over the weekend and the game was still never really in jeopardy. So, but to your point, I was the same way. I was, I benched Josh Allen in a league. I benched Cole Beasley in a league that I had him in and, and, you know, Cole Beasley might scoff at him. He's been pretty good. And there's a lot of other guys that are hurt. So like I was really going deep into the waiver wire, having to kind of replace some of these guys in lineups uh, you know, where I had them because I didn't want to risk the zero. And that's what I was recommending to a lot of people too in Fantasy Alarm Chad, Twitter, you know, all those, you know, mediums that we have. I was telling people, you know, don't risk the zero because if they don't play, you're going to be kicking yourself. So while they played, you know, there's just too much of a risk factor there. Now a lot of leagues are doing the substitute players or the backup players, and that's just work for your commissioner if they're doing it. That's fantastic. But, uh, you know, it's just a lot to do. Yeah. I had, uh, in the FA Staff League, I think I have the Bills defense. Um, and I left him in because I, A, didn't like any of the defenses that were available. And I don't want to lose a position player to keep the Bills defense. Um, and I just don't like really swapping defenses. I draft a defense I like that typically has a late bye week, and then I roll with it. What um, was your situation at, at the time? I mean, I guess, I mean, were you, especially after Thursday, what I mean, you- my other... My other problem was that I basically couldn't really make a move because I had to make a move to get a wide receiver. 
because I have in that league I have Michael Thomas, I have Kenny Galladay, I have Nikhil Harry, um, all of whom weren't going to play. I mean, Michael Thomas had a shot, and then he punched a teammate in the face or wherever during practice and got sat. But I probably wasn't going to play him anyway because I didn't really think he was ever really going to play on Monday night um, because they have a bye week in week right. six. Um but then Kenny Galladay was on bye because it's week five, and the Patriots game against the Broncos got canceled. So Nikhil Harry wasn't – I couldn't use him. So, so I had to stopped. pick up a guy, and I still had to use Willie Sneed, which I wasn't terribly excited about. So I basically couldn't drop anybody. So I had to play the Bills defense. Plus, it's also a defense. I feel like that matters. Like I mean, it's not like they really helped me because they got smoked by the Titans. Um but, yeah, I mean, if it had been a quarterback, I'm not sure what – I mean, obviously I wouldn't have just punted the position. Um, and in that league, I also made a strategic decision to pick up a backup quarterback because I have – Russell Wilson is my main and only quarterback, uh, and he's on bye in week six, and Kirk Cousins, who has a pretty decent matchup in week six, was available, and I wasn't sure he was going to be available on this week's waiver wire, so I decided to make – that move and get a backup. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if it was more in doubt, I'd, I probably would have just swapped out the bills for a different defense. It's funny because you, you talk about situations that you get into now people lost Dak Prescott and we're going to be running into a huge situation here guys, because, and John, you and I have spoken about this on alarm after hours on Sirius XM. And that is now if you lost Dak Prescott, and especially if you're in a single quarterback starting league, do you trade for a quarterback guys? And that's, that's something I want to ask you. I've been asking everybody. I've been going to different family staffers that we have different family members. Ronus. I've asked everybody because I like getting different perspectives on this, but guys, let me ask you both here. Now Dak Prescott, big-time QB for fantasy, he's done. So with that, are you going to go all-in on Andy Dalton? Do you try to trade for a quarterback? And if so, guys, how exactly in one quarterback starting leagues do you value the quarterback position when it comes to trading for one? Um, I don't know. I think if if you're trading for like a top – five quarterback then that makes a difference but other than that i think you could probably stream quarterbacks at this point because they're still like Tannehill's out there in a in a decent amount of leagues fitzpatrick is out there i know oh, he's, gardner Minshew's still out there yeah uh i know that he's got detroit that's true i mean you know that you could stream and get away with it it's not i mean obviously andy dalton was out there um in some leagues, Joe Burrow's now available because people got afraid from the one bad week he's had so far. How about this, Sells? Um, Matt Ryan. I've gotten a few questions yeah. regarding Matt Ryan being dropped and what to do. And people are like, oh, you know, sh should I pick him up? He got dropped. Yes. I pick up Matt Ryan. So, like, oh, streaming, is, streaming is always an option. Um, this is why we tell you to wait on quarterbacks because unless you're taking – a guy like Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or when he was healthy, Dak Prescott, those guys make differences each week. Other than that, there's not really – I mean, right Russell now Aaron Rodgers, Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was being drafted as a second quarterback in some leagues coming into the season. Obviously, we look like idiots for doing that now, but who knew? So I think you can totally get away with streaming guys at this point. I agree. I think that there are, unless you're in like a 14 or 16 team league where guys have backup quarterbacks, not even, you know, a single quarterback league, but they just rostered backups or whatever like that because maybe those expanded rosters due to COVID this year. So they have the spots to have these guys. I don't find the need to trade for a quarterback. And I've seen a lot of people in our subscriber chat be like, hey, I just lost Dak. What do you think about this trade for Lamar Jackson? And they're giving up, you know, a, wide, a running back one, a wide receiver two, and I'm like, why would you want to hurt your team even more just to get a quarterback? And one, Lamar's not even playing that well. He's, I'm pretty sure he's hurt. He was dealing with the knee last week. He missed practice and didn't run at all. Uh, he only had three yards rushing. There, there has to be an injury there. Um, but just that, that scenario aside, 
it doesn't make sense to trade for another team's, you know, QB who, you know, they have an excess of, you know, like a guy who maybe drafted a Cam Newton as his QB two, hoping maybe, hey, maybe a quarterback gets hurt and I can trade Newton for, for some, like, don't give into that because you're going to be overpaying even for a guy like Cam Newton's production when, you know, Derek Carr is available in 80% of leagues and he's giving you 20 plus fantasy points in three of the last four. You know, Justin Herbert's available in 60% of fantasy leagues. Same thing, 20 fantasy points in three. Like, those guys are all out. You can't stream them in week six, though. That's the problem. But this is even a better opportunity to sort of pick them up now if you need to pick up a streaming option for week six, but you want a quarterback that you can rely on. You know, look at the Chargers' schedule coming up. It's pretty easy. Um, You know, so those guys are out there. So to Matt's point, streaming is how I would go about this. Don't trade more assets to replace the asset you just lost because you're not going to be helping your team in that regard, in my opinion. And here's the thing when it comes to trading for quarterbacks, you all that lost Dak, you're, you're seeing that your team just lost a 20 point per week score. That that's how everybody is now looking at it. Wow. I have to make up that production immediately for my team to perform at that same level. And, And that's not good thinking. That's panic thinking right there. I am a huge streamer. I have been a QB streamer for most, if not all, of my fantasy football career. And with that, it looks at the matchups. It really does. You just take, we're talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick versus the Jets for one week. We're talking one week. Then what you do, you'll probably then drop Fitzpatrick, grab someone else, and you're probably thinking, am I going to have to do this every week? And the answer is no. Because if you start to see one of those guys that you stream as the waivers continue and more quarterbacks will be dropped, then you're going to have a few good matchups. And all of a sudden, a one-week Band-Aid in your mind becomes a three-week Band-Aid. You play the short game. It's not that hard. Yes, you have to make an extra claim for a few weeks but you know what? I'm not trading my RB1 or two for that and my wide receiver one my or two that John was saying to get a quarterback. That's the whole point. I have not been able in that kind of circumstance to fully figure out how to value quarterbacks trading them or trading for them. The only time I trade for quarterbacks or trade quarterbacks at that point, guys, is when occasionally when I'm in my auctions and I get kicked out of the room and Carson Wentz comes up and the auto bid puts me up to $2 and now I'm stuck with Drew Brees and Carson Wentz and let's just say they're both doing well, then I will sell. Then I will appeal to the market. Outside of that, like we've all been saying, guys, streaming, it's not that hard, but it does take a bit of work until you find a diamond in the rough. It's just yeah, I mean, the right matchup. I mean, that's the whole point of streaming. I mean, somebody's going to be playing Washington, Dallas, Atlanta, Carolina. Like every week, teams are playing those guys, and there's a likelihood that the quarterbacks are going to be on in free agency or waiver wire and things. Bro, like that. I started Teddy Bridgewater. In yeah, so did I. So I, yeah. I had uh, with Josh Allen's issues with the, uh, not Josh Allen. Uh, yeah, it was Josh Allen. The Bills game got moved. They, to all these things around, and then I had uh, Tannehill the week before, or Cam Newton the week before. Um, I started Matt Stafford, did perfectly fine against the Saints, and then I started Teddy Bridgewater. I got 20 fantasy points out of both of those guys, just replacing players that I lost on COVID. Like, those are guys that are out there. So, just just find the right, right. matchup, you know? And the other thing about streaming quarterbacks is if people have starting quarterbacks, they're not going to try to outsmart you on waivers by picking up a guy who you need like it running back or wide receiver if there's one a uh, really good guy out there like uh Ernest johnson for example somebody's not going to go snipe the Ernest johnson just so he gets more depth and nobody else gets a starting running back people don't make that move on quarterbacks if you have a quarterback that's still solid enough to be starting you're keeping them until the bye week Right. So that's the thing with quarterbacks, you're probably going to be able to get the guy that you put in the claim for because people just don't. It's like defenses and kickers and tight ends. If it's a decent one, you're not dropping them. You're just going to let it go until they get injured or they have their their bye week. And then you make a move. So it's not that hard to do. 
And I feel like, and to go full circle with this, to go back to Matt Ryan, I feel like I've been one of the biggest Matt Ryan defenders for good reason over the last few years, especially. And I've always thought of him as a safe option. And remember, he hasn't thrown touchdowns the last few weeks. That is going to change. His receivers have been injured, all of them. And with that, Julio Jones will eventually come back and he'll start to get more points in that regard, having that option back. There are people who think that what they saw out of Todd Gurley, that's how it's going to be the rest of the way. This team's coach got fired. Regime wants to show that maybe they can make an impact and turn it around a little bit. There's still time. So they're not just giving up on the season necessarily. Matt Ryan's going to be throwing. And I want a piece of that action. And when it comes to Matt Ryan, I see him out there and I have a stinky QB situation. I'm streaming. Boom, streaming, done. Yeah, it, it would be nice if Matt Ryan could get Julio Jones on the field. Didn't practice again today. So, uh, you know, the lack that of weapons. Bro, these hammy injuries suck as advertised. We were told this was going to happen. Yep. So it's just, it's it's tough for the offense when it's Calvin Ridley. And, and as much as Russell Gage looked great the first couple of weeks where he was getting 12 targets a game, it's unrealistic to expect Russell Gage right. to be able to be uh, more than, he's a wide receiver three at best. You know, he's not, a, he should, he's not a wide receiver two on anybody's offense. So you're looking at the lack of sort of skill players that Ryan's trying to work with, coupled with awful play calling, coupled with defenses just going in and slacking on Calvin Ridley's side. And, you know, there's just not much for that offense to do, aside from Gurley, who's looked really good, and I'm happy to have him on some of my fantasy teams. Yeah, I mean, the first week, everybody got super high on Russell Gage because he had a huge week. Well, okay, but Matt Ryan also threw for 450 yards. Yeah. So, like... Threw 58 times or something. Yeah, so, yeah, if you're going to throw nearly 60 times and you only have three wide receivers, some of them are going to be targeted 12 times. Oh, after like, that's that, just I, the way... I drank that Kool-Aid and I was like, it's happening again. He's going to make it to 650 passes this year. Yeah, and nope, not so much. <laughs> um... So yeah, you know you can always find you can always find these guys on the on the waiver wire, uh, to be sure. Yes, guys. I don't know if you like sweepstakes or not. Normally we have this early on in free agency, but a running back was released, and his name is Le'Veon Bell. And now, guys, the always question is Cinderella style. Where does the shoe fit? Where does he fit? Where do you guys see him ending up? And on top of that, how is it going to impact the current run game on that team from a fantasy perspective? Our audience is dying to know, guys. So where does he fit best at this point? Um, I think John and I have two different answers on this. So I'm going to start because I, I a couple of different spots. I think he fits pretty well in Miami, and I think he fits pretty well in New England. Um. Both of them need better backs. I mean, Tony Michelle's on IR. Even when he was healthy, he clearly wasn't right. He's clearly not a guy that can really do much on the field for them. Um, and let's face it, Miami has, yes, Miles Gaskin. We get it. But, like, a couple of weeks ago, he had, like, nine carries inside the red zone and didn't punch it in for a touchdown. And, like, five of those were inside the ten. He's just not a between-the-tackles guy. Um, and I think if you get... Le'Veon Bell in one of those two situations where, you know, both coaches are from New England and Miami's, uh, you know, got a guy from New England who actually looks like he could pan out in the NFL, unlike most of the other Belichick disciples. Um, and yeah, if you get Le'Veon Bell with Cam Newton, I don't know how you stop that goal line package. Like, I, I really don't know if you can get Le'Veon Bell healthy and on his best behavior. With Cam Newton, that's that's a tough thing to stop. Yeah, I mean, I, as a Pigeons fan, obviously, I, I wouldn't probably say no to Le'Veon Bell. You know, he is, you know, obviously an upgrade over what we have there. Rex Burkhead, Damian Harris, even though he ran for 100 yards in his first start. Uh, James White still going to be the pass catching back there. But Lev is, you know, if right, if healthy, if he has anything really left in the tank at this point, He's a cut above those guys for sure. Um, I do like the the Miami call there because again, 
we didn't hear anything about Miles Gaskin being the leading back heading into the season. We all thought it was Howard who they signed, Abrita who they traded for, uh, but it wasn't the case. None of those guys get on the field. Gaskin gets on the field uh, more, but to Matt's point, he hasn't really been overly effective. He's just been more of a volume scorer than anything else. So, um, you know, both of those work, and, you know, Adam Schefter reported that before they were Le'Veon Bell was released, it was Miami, it was uh, the Raiders, and it was the Patriots who had called the Jets inquiring about a trade. Didn't really specify exactly uh, the details of those conversations. Teams that showed interest to trade for him. Now he's released. We see the tweet come out that uh, the Chiefs uh, and four other teams are in the final decision-making process for um, Le'Veon, who's expected to make his decision either tonight, we're recording Thursday, or sometime on, or recording Wednesday, or sometime on Thursday. I said immediately when this he got released that I thought the Chiefs was a spot where he would fit. One, who wouldn't want to go to the Chiefs? They're an organization coming out for Super Bowl. They have all the skill position players. But for me, it was more to the fact that I don't think the Chiefs were ready or, or wanted to give Clyde Edwards-Alaire the leash right away. They The expectation was that Damian Williams was going to be there to slip the carries. We thought Damian Williams was going to be the lead back uh, in that offense to start the year, work Edwards-Alaire in, use him in pass-catching situations, change of pace. With Williams uh, opting out, they had, you know, Daryl Williams, who's not that great, uh, or Darwin Thompson, who isn't that great. So they really had to lean on the rookie in a spot where I don't think he was ready yet. So for me, I think the Chiefs make the most sense for Le'Veon, and it seems like it's potentially going to go that way for him as well. You just pissed off a whole bunch of CEH owners. You do. I took them, if you guys remember, in like the sixth round, uh, sixth pick overall in the mock draft for, for Fantasy Alarm, so... Uh, I mean, I agree, but if you're looking at what makes sense to me, and Matt had pointed out, I think, in our pre-call conversation, uh, or maybe you just said it uh, recently. No, it was, it was in the pre-call. Pre-call. That, yeah. or, I, mean, I forget who made the point, but it basically, uh, he's not a great between-the-tackles runner. He hasn't been that strong. He has trouble in short yardage. He hasn't really been able to find the end zone when they're down in those situations. They've opted for more different gadget plays to get the ball in the end zone, because I don't think Edward Solaire is that that type of back yet. Le'Veon Bell can be that type of guy in the red zone for them. He can handle some more of the early down work. So, uh, yes, it's going to stink if you own Clyde Uh If you're a Le'Veon Bell owner, you're certainly cheering for this. And I think it gives him more life in DFS and makes that offense more appealing. That Man, if he goes to Vegas... And I owe Josh Jacobs. Yeah, that one is the weirdest one for oh, me. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know why. I love Jacobs. So unless Jacobs is banged up more than we were led to believe, um, which is possible because he was hurt a couple weeks ago, questionable going into that Patriots game. With, uh, the, with, the, with the hip injury, right? Yeah, and obviously he was hurt last year too. They don't have a true backup for him. It's Jalen Richard. It's what, Theo Riddick or Devontae Booker. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I always fancy I always call him uh Devin Booker when I'm talking about him and I have to catch myself. So <laughs> this is not this is not the basketball talk. But you know, they need a real guy that can go in there, but is well is Bell gonna take a role where he's definitely the the RB two there spelling Jacobs? I don't see it. Jeez. Oh, this is giving this is making me constipated just thinking about also- this. See him in. Uh, I think the Chargers was another one I threw out to you, John. Oh my god! Oh, because I think makes the most sense. Eckler hasn't done anything, even when he's been healthy. Yes, they have Josh Kelly and Justin Jackson, but you know, this would allow Eckler to his role that he had with Melvin Gordon, right? When he returns again, he's out for X amount of weeks, anyways. Right. you so, get Gordon back, you get Bell, Le'Veon Bell moves right back in to exactly the same thing that Melvin Gordon was. He's a between the tackles runner. He yep. can catch the football a little bit. And then He's you also a pretty good Austin, pass blocker. Yeah, pass blocker, and you allow Austin Eckler to have the role that he had. Eckler had, I think it was 11 targets two weeks ago before he got injured. So, um, yeah, I agree. But I don't know if he would go to a 0-4 Chiefs team, 1-4, 1-5, or whatever, whatever record they are, or Chargers team, rather. So... Again, well, I think it's a good fit on paper. I don't think it's something he would go to. Oh, man. Cue the lightning sound effects for that one. Man, that would be crazy. 
Man, yeah. I, I was I was so happy with Justin Jackson. No, so of course the Bears, the Bears also are not, are a team that have been linked to him. Okay, um, that makes sense. But uh, Nagy doesn't know how to use the skill position players that he has now. It's right, so. <laughs> he's got. He's, I mean, Jerry Cohen's obviously injured, but he hasn't been able to use David Montgomery properly in a year and a half at this point. He doesn't know which quarterback is really his guy. Doesn't know how to get the ball to Allen Robinson, arguably a top five wide receiver in the NFL. Like, That's what they throw him 16 times a game. They're yeah, just, they're throwing to him. They're, they're just trying to get him the football. You know, they can't yeah, do it. They don't do it. Dude, what, whatever happened to Anthony Miller? And Anthony Miller's got laughed by Mooney. I uh, mean, there's a, there's a difference between getting the ball to a guy and getting the ball to a guy well. Like, you know, yes, there's massive volume for Allen Robinson, but how many of those are actually – in a position he could do anything with, let alone catch. Hey, hey not more targets. That's allowed. Sells. Yeah, I think he had nine for ninety against the Bucks, but he had sixteen targets. So it's like right. So that's what I'm saying. I'm an Allen Robinson owner, and I'm loving the hell out of that. Yeah. I'm not saying you're complaining. I'm simply saying that goes to my point. If you get sixteen targets and you're only catching nine of them, that means roughly half of those were either bad decisions, forced passes. Or, you know, I doubt that all of them hit his hands and they and he dropped it. Because he doesn't drop passes like, you know, T.Y. Hilton does at this point. Oh, stop. But, Do like, not bring that man up. Do not. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if you look at, I don't know, OBJ gets targets, but he can do stuff with all of those targets. There's a difference, is what I'm saying. I'm not saying the 9 for 90 doesn't count. I'm just saying there's a difference between... If he got ten targets and caught, I'm never, I'm never taking you out to dinner. You would probably take make me go to the most expensive restaurant in the world. No, I don't like spending a lot of money when I go out there. No, you wouldn't be spending. I'd be taking you to dinner. I don't even go out on other people's dimes like that. I do. When I go to eat, I spend the money. My fantasy baseball league goes to Old Homestead in the Borgata in Atlantic City. Okay, very nice steak joint. And basically, we all pool in. You get what you order, and then we all pool our tab and whatever. And the last few years, sixteen of us have gone out to dinner, and it's been like eighteen hundred bucks total, so more than a hundred bucks a person. I stopped doing it because I don't want to pay that much for like it's good steak, but I don't want to pay that like a hundred bucks for I, steak. I, I, pay that, I pay that money when I go out to dinner with, with my girlfriend. She always laughs because we'll go out to dinner, and the bill will be like eighty-five, ninety dollars for the two of us. But my but I order like a thirty five dollar forty dollar meal and then she gets you know the the small sandwich right I'm like well we're out eating for two anyways so I might as well just get what I want while I'm here you know <laughs> like always always opting for the uh, the expensive item on the menu yeah mm, I mean cells you're allowed you you work your ass off you're allowed to enjoy a steak on your own dime who cares. Yeah, but see, that's the. It's one. The, I don't like spending. I don't like spending a lot on like food out. I'd rather go to a place that I like that has decent food, and you know, like I grew up a little bit in Jersey. I like the diners, man. Why am I going to go to like a five star steak place? Oh, listen, to to listen, I, I like the diner that you can sit at the counter and eat all the eggs you want, right? Like that's. Right. You know, that's that's perfectly fine. I, I agree with you there, but like I get the deluxe Greek salad. I don't spend I don't spend money on clothes. I, I don't spend money on those things. I spend money on food. You know, I want if I'm gonna go out, I want good food. I want it to taste right, I want it to be good quality. Uh I'll, now, those are the things I'm willing to pay. That I'm willing to pay for food and I'm willing to pay for things to be done for me. I have a cleaner, <laughs> I have people to do the yard, like I, I'll do I, I will do that. I'll spend my money on those things to make my life easier. I mean, yeah, I will once a year go out for my birthday to this place. It's a, it's a Brazilian steakhouse. Yeah. We have here. Those, those are nice. Things, by the way, if you have never been to a Brazilian Constantly steakhouse, on green. Constantly on green. You should. You sit down, they give you a card that's either green or red, depending on which side you flip it to. When Isn't it's green. it Fogo de Chao? That's one of the That's chains. one of them. Yeah. We have one called Rodigio Grill. There's yeah. also Texas Day Brazil is another chain. Um, yeah, you basically sit down, they give you a card that's either green or red. If you keep it on green, you have these these uh, people just keep walking around with literal meat on skewers and go, 
here, this is this. Do you want some? And you go, yes. And then they cut you off a piece and put it on your plate. And they just keep coming around. And then there's like an all-you-can-eat salad bar with a ton of sides. Okay, so I got to stop you there. I got to stop you there. I got to stop you there. I was just about to say, that's a trap play. You have to avoid the salad bar or bare minimum. You can't oh, get. I just get. I just get basic. Ve- like I make myself a salad without the lettuce, so it's got cucumber and tomato and carrots and whatever. John, if just you ever one, go just, just one bowl, I don't get like the potato salad. I don't get. Gotta the stay rice. away from the cold cuts at the salad bar. That's where they get yeah. you. They want you to eat the salad bar so you don't eat the good stuff. You got to stay pretty yep. much clear of the salad bar. I'll, I'll say this though: the salad bar is fantastic because I do like a good salad. You guys. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, listen, listen. Secretly or sneakily, maybe the best thing that I've gotten out of Fogo to Chow is the pineapple. I don't know. Oh, if yeah. Dude, they have like a cinnamon pineapple that it's also spit roasted. It's it's like oh, it oh, is it's fantastic. So good. The pineapple so, uh, it's so fancy. sweet. Fancy. I'm talking they walk around with pork, steak, chicken, sausage, anything you can imagine for meat. But I'm looking for the pineapple half the time, waiting for that thing to come around. It is fantastic. I've never oh, had the pineapple. Oh, it's so good. And not every place has it. I've been to a few times where they, they brought around different items uh, for like a, a fruit or whatever, but the, the pineapple was mint. You, you got to stay clear of the salad bar. I, I didn't. I got trapped. Bar. I tell you, I like it. I no, like, the salad I like, bar's well, fine. No right. cold You don't punch. get the side. You no, don't I don't get the rice. Rice. Don't get I do like red salad. peppers. Lettuce, carrots, croutons. Yeah. See, the first time dressing. The first time I totally sunk myself, and it was I just was like, "Oh, this is amazing!" Cold because yeah. I didn't, I you didn't make know. Stuff really. a chef salad. That's what you did, and you, you yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty right. much. So chef. I will spend. I will spend for going to a Brazilian steakhouse. Although the Jew in me is happy because I also get a buy one get one free coupon for my birthday, so I only have yeah, to pay for go. one of them. So. Uh, yeah, so that's a bonus, but I will spend, even if I don't have the coupon, we will go, my wife and I will go out on dates to those places and they're like, I don't know, 30, 35 bucks a person and we'll go and sit down we'll get some, some wine or drink there or whatever. That's where we spend. But if it's just like a normal steakhouse, I'm not going and dropping like a hundred bucks. Not happening. Yeah. You're not going to be getting, going to steakhouses ever then, unfortunately. But, oh, there are plenty of good steakhouses that you don't yeah, have. Yeah, I, I have one place. I have one place. I'm in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. I have one place where you pay $20 and you get steak, you get fries, and you get a starter salad. It's the best deal going. They get you on the alcohol, so you have to be careful with that. <laughs> I don't have a problem with alcohol. Yes. No, it's, it's – that's – that's how you do it. Get those cheap steaks. But that is not idiotic to try to get discount on some nice juicy steaks. Guys, it is time for the idiot of the week. And I'll start us off here because this, this was one of the hardest decisions. There were a lot of freaking idiots over the last seven days. But, and Russ and I got into one of our shouting matches about this on Alarm After Hours. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Mike Zimmer. Because I'm a firm believer you put the points on the board. Doesn't mean Russell Wilson marches down the field and then he does it again for the two-point conversion. That is not a guarantee. I don't know why you don't protect the lead and you go for it instead of giving yourselves at least minimum the worst or the worst that happens is overtime. And instead, what happens? You risk it. You don't get it. Russell Wilson marches down the field. And then furthermore than that, I will also give it to Mike Zimmer and the coaching staff. Everybody knew, even Stevie Wonder, that DK Metcalf was getting that final pass. He had just nearly scored a touchdown, and by the grace of God, it was knocked out of his hands. So DK Metcalf's getting that ball again. You saw the target difference. Everyone knew that. And what happens? DK Metcalf scores. Idiot Mike Zimmer. Yeah, Zimmer also blew that. He shouldn't have even been in a position, at least in my opinion, to where or he had the opportunity to where that field goal would have actually put him up nine uh, if the, the scoring possession prior, when they were up four, they went for the two-point conversion to make it six 
instead of just kicking the field goal to make it five. At that point, what is the difference of being up four and up five? Make yourself go up two field goals. Make yourself go up a touchdown and then make the other team kick the extra point, which kickers are missing at least a couple times a week at this point. All of the decisions there was horrible. If you guys remember, in my Best Bets article for football, I was 3-0 and going into that game. I had the, my long shot pick of the week was the Vikings plus 245, looking fantastic from all of the first half. Then they abandoned their game plan in the second half by a miracle, was able to take the lead. And then, yeah, poor coaching blew it, and I had to watch my long shot pick blow up in my face in the final play. So uh, I'm with you there, Fancy. Zimmer's, Zimmer's an idiot. Idiot. So I'm going to stick with football for mine. Are you on I'm going to stick with football for mine, and this is something that I feel like we can say about every athlete and we have said about every athlete, but Melvin Gordon getting a DUI doesn't make any sense. Nope. Sir, drive a, call an Uber. Get a car service. Literally do anything but drive 30 miles over the speed limit while you're hammered, you know, like, and, and you get yourself pulled over. Like, I just... Athletes everywhere these days, how is it not ingrained in your head to get a ride? Teams will provide car services for you. They talk about it all the time. These these are things that are available to everybody that's on that team. Call somebody. Don't get in your car drunk, one, because that's an idiotic thing to do anyways. But now you're costing yourself money because you may not play this week due to violating team rules. They didn't let him practice today. They sent him home probably facing a suspension at some point from the league, I would imagine, for conduct detrimental to the, the team. Like, you're just costing yourself problems here. You're on a one-year deal. You may you're gonna find yourself suspended. You've had a good season. You're coming off one of your better games of the entire year, and then you go do something like this. So, any of the week for me, Melvin Gordon, get in the DUI. It's not yeah. only about you, Melvin. It's about everybody else that you're putting into danger when you're on the road. It's one thing if you want to impair yourself, that's on you. You're a man. You're making the decisions. You're responsible. But to everybody else that's just out there innocent and just trying to drive, you're the biggest threat. You have their lives in your hands. and Going 30 I like miles it, over the speed limit, too. Like, like, that's, and look, that's guys, not... you know me. I don't like to get – you know me. I'm a fun guy and everything. That is unacceptable. Right. And I do not tolerate that. I have personally a zero tolerance to it. I have had to be that guy, the, quote, bad guy. I've taken keys from friends before. I've had to be that guy multiple times. Even after getting pushed in the face by a friend, I still took those damn keys away. Because that's it's worth it. And it's not only about that friend. It's about everybody else on the road that I was thinking about at the time. And I'm not trying to play hero here, but that's how it should be. This is real life. There's no room for that, and that's a shame on Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I mean, if the Red Sox will pay somebody to sit in Pablo Sandoval's hotel room and make sure he doesn't eat enough food on a daily basis, I'm pretty sure an NFL team can come up with the money to pay for an Uber one night out of 16 weeks. Like, not that hard. Thanks, Trader. This one, I have to preface this by saying when I announced with, to you guys what I was going to say, it was happening. And then three hours later, they decided to cancel this event because there was so much backlash. So the Big Ten college football season gets started this coming weekend, right? Or in two weeks, I guess. And Nebraska, which is... Their football stadium is about a five-minute drive from my apartment from where I sit right now. They, first of all, they raised a ruckus when the Big Ten canceled the season to begin with, threatened to play outside the conference in the fall until the Big Ten said, okay, if you do that, you owe us the $54 million we give you in TV rights, and Nebraska backed down. So the Big Ten when they voted to start the season back up, said, ha, you get to play Ohio State in your first game. Have fun, because that's a national championship caliber football team. Nebraska, the Big Ten, by the way, is not playing with any fans in the stands due to public safety, right? Nebraska gets the bright idea, hey, you know what? We'll host a watch party for the game. Where are they hosting this watch party? In the basketball arena. So it's an indoor facility. They also made mission free and concessions were going to be open 
The only requirement was that you had to wear a mask. But how they're going to enforce that, I have no idea. So they're not allowing fans to go to an outdoor 90,000-seat football stadium, but they're going to cram fans into a 16,000-seat indoor basketball arena just so they could have people watch a game on the big screens in the basketball arena. So that's fairly, fairly stupid during the middle of a pandemic, which, by the way, Lincoln, the numbers have been rising a little bit here, so... There's a chance that in like two weeks my kids are going to have to stay home again because they're probably going to close schools. And it definitely would have happened had they held this thing. Now, public outcry was so much that they have now since, I'm happy to report, canceled the event. Yeah, because you didn't want your kids right. home from school. So my second choice is Dan Mullen, head coach of the University of Florida, who came out and said, yeah, I want the Gator Swamp to be filled with 90,000 people because – the governor of Florida said the Dolphins could have full capacity at their games at 65,000 people. Oh. So Dan Mullen wants 90,000 people at Florida. You know what happened the very next day, Fensty? Florida suspended football activities because of rising COVID numbers among the team. And God. now today, by the way, earlier today, it came out that Nick Saban has tested positive for coronavirus. Jeez. So, yeah, we're just going to jam-pack these people into football stadiums because... That's kind of what we do because we're, what, red-blooded Americans? Just get your stuff together, people. Come on. The pandemic's still happening. Y'all idiots. The yeah, bubble listen. worked. Why bubble, they, they locked the NBA teams away for, what, three months and zero positive cases. That's and, why it's and the now NBA. the NFL apparently is talking about bubbles for the playoffs, I guess. I heard that report. It, it should. Yeah. Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, MLB moved the bubble for the playoffs. I mean, yeah, MLB did bubbles for the playoffs. The so. bubble industry should be booming right now when it comes to that. Not bursting, booming. Let's talk about what we're bringing to the family table, guys, because that's what we do. It could be anything you want. Very open for interpretation. Matt Sells, what's the first thing you're bringing to the table? You got three. We'll go around so, family circle style. The first thing I'm going to bring to the table is this has been a pretty hot topic. We're going to switch from football to a little bit of baseball talk. Don't be swayed by what happened in the playoffs for fantasy baseball drafts next year. Don't do it. I'm talking about those of you who are going to bump Randy Arozarena up about 400 freaking spots in his ADP because he's setting all sorts of records. He's got like 19 base hits right now in the playoffs. Um, he's just been, you can't get the guy out. If you listen to what Kevin Cash said before the ALCS started, he wasn't going to make the team out of spring training. Why are we now going to get this guy into the top 50? Cause he had a good nine game stretch. Okay. Just don't focus on, on playoffs. The same thing goes for the NBA. There was a couple of guys got real hot in the NBA, carried their teams. I'm not talking about Jimmy Butler. That guy's phenomenal. I'm talking about a few other guys who carried their teams, had fantastic postseasons. Now everybody's going to go nuts and make them early draft picks, and then they're going to flop because, you know, they're going to come back down to earth. They don't have the adrenaline going of going for an NBA title. Please, dear God, just look at the sample size from the regular season and don't go, oh, Randy Orozarena's now all of a sudden Mike Trout and Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle rolled into one because he had a great week and a half stretch in the playoffs. I get that. I get that. Momentum was stopped in the season. So, John, that kind of worked the other way, you know, in a way for Jason Tatum. I mean, that's the thing. At first, I was thinking of Jason Tatum. You know, you think that based off what you originally saw that he'd be going in that first round next year. But then people are going to remember the last few things they saw from him going cold and being a little lost. And that's not how you judge Jason Tatum. No, and Tatum was good during the during the playoffs. In terms of – so I have a different, couple different ways to look at Tatum during the playoffs. He was very good as a volume player. So if – during the regular season, he's going to be a volume player. I think he's worth being a late first-round pick because he was giving you double-digit rebounds, 25 to 30 points a night with some defensive stats. So um, I agree with you that I think overreacting to uh, small sample size, I think is probably Matt's like 
larger overarching point, right? Like, yes. don't take a small sample size and then make it, you know, uh, expect it to be what's going to happen next year. One of my, uh, one of the things I like to talk, or, or, or a great example that I like to point out, um, and this is going way back here, um, but was when Brett Lowry and Eric Hosmer were both uh, basically uh, rookies in the, you know, coming out in their first year of a draft because um, they both played like 40 games the year before. And Brett Lowry looked really good, some power, some speed, and Hosmer like, came up and was hitting the ball well. But the next season, uh, MLB draft, fantasy baseball draft rankings had Lowry as like a third-round pick. Hosmer was like right there with him. And you're basing it off these small sample size and what you sort of project maybe these guys to do. And, you know, Lowry's out of the league and Hosmer never really, maybe aside from one season, lived up to those expectations. Uh, so, yes, yeah, taking small sample sizes and overvaluing them is definitely uh, something to be wary of. Yes, absolutely, John. Is that – are you adding on? Is that what you're bringing to the table or you got something else for your number one? Uh, yeah, we'll use that. as I have other things, but I think that's also a good add-on to Matt's as my first thing to bring to the table. Look at uh, Matt yeah. Sells making an impact. Gotta love yeah. that. Because, I mean, this is something that we talk a lot about um, in all fantasy sports, not just baseball where we look yep. at sample sizes. Um, you know, we talk a lot about it with football, fantasy football, a lot as well. Uh, you know, pay attention to what a guy's usage is. Don't pay attention to the one week where we had the huge numbers. Hey, there's a lot of underlying numbers and stats. Like Chase Claypool. Yeah, Chase Claypool. Exactly. Johnson couldn't find his head. Yeah, the number of people this week that are going to be spending more money on Chase Claypool and Fulgham this week, and they're likely not going to even make an impact on their fantasy roster, barring injury Fulgham, in, in like a week a or two. Sixth wide receiver. Yeah, you know, like it's just you know, you know. Have setting expectations, understanding what you're looking at. Don't just look at box scores. Look deeper into the stats. Find out what snap counts are and all these things. Like for fantasy football, the sample sizes, you know, and paying attention to those things matter. Yes, no, for sure. Now, I'm going to throw something on the table, family table here for my number one. Talking about some wide receivers that you could target off of waivers. Someone that I know is still out there, though he's been playing through an injury over the last couple of weeks. He's still been playing. He's still been impactful. And the guy in front of him for targets is also banged up. And let's go to Jacksonville and talk about LaVisca Chenault. I just see the improvement in his game every single week between that, between his ability to be get open. I really enjoy that very much. And I love, most importantly, the target's going up and up and up, and DJ Shark is hurt. Now, Chenault is also a little banged up, but he's been playing through the pain, and it hasn't seemed to take him down. He's just going to be limited in practice if he continues to go down this path, guys. That's for those that are going to be spent overspending on Chase Claypool. Yeah, you could do that. For me, when looking at wide receiver, whose path is clearer and quicker to getting double-digit targets? To me, that's LaVisca Chenault. I like Chanel. He was somebody that I felt, um, you know, had had a lot of opportunity to be a first round pick this year, ended up going in the second. Um, you know, if it wasn't probably for the fact that he played at, you know, a smaller school at Colorado, um, you know, if you went to a bigger program on a bigger stage with better competition or, um, you know, a better quarterback, he, he, he probably would have been a first round pick and talked more about uh, more among the, the, you know, this elite wide receiver class, which is turning into, I mean, they knew this is a strong receiver class heading into the draft, but man, up and down the, up and down the draft board, uh, these guys are really showing out. And Chenault's ability to move all around the field, play the slot, play outside, come out of the backfield, be a flanker, like all the ways that he gets involved in the field, I think one makes him difficult to cover, and he's incredibly athletic uh, as well. Um, and I think Chark being on the field probably help, would help him a little bit more because it takes some of the, the focus off him. Because one of the things I talked about Chenault as why I liked him as a late-round ad uh, heading into the season was there wasn't a lot of competition ahead of him. Chris Conley, Keelan Cole, those guys were placeholders ahead of him in the depth chart because they didn't want to just give the rookie you know, a starting gig. And it didn't take long for him to leave them for obvious reasons. I think he has, what, uh, four straight games with at least six targets and – three straight with at least five catches or something like that. So, um, you know, he, he, he's arrived. And, yeah, if he's on your waivers, you should be, you should be snagging him. Yeah. I'm in. 
I'm in, and I was in beforehand too. And when I immediately saw the trend, I'm like, there's not too many weapons. I don't, I don't feel threatened by Keelan Cole. So no. with all that, I felt good. So he's still out there. Go after him. Sells. What else are you putting on the table? Your number two. My number two, uh, because I feel like we're going to have a couple more NFL coaches that get fired uh, this season, if not shortly. Uh, we just had this past week, obviously, um, the Falcons fired their head coach and GM. Oh, Gates. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. Like, if I'm a Jets fan, I'm tanking for Trevor at this point. Like, to, like let's just. Let's just keep gay so he keeps screwing it up and then get rid of him and then but my point on this one is if you are a betting person and a team fires their head coach, bet on them to win the game after they fire their head coach. Because over the last several years, including Houston last week, teams are now sixty-four point they have a sixty-four point seven percent chance of winning the game after they fire their head coach. Doesn't matter if they're playing the best team in the league. Doesn't matter if they're, like, a terrible team. These teams have managed to do it almost two-thirds of the time. So if you're looking for betting, let's look at the Falcons this week because they just fired their head coach. Uh, I'm sure Mike Zimmer's probably close. Um, there's a couple other folks. Adam Gase, maybe, finally. Adam Gase. Probably. Gase. Um you know, there's a few, there's a few others that are out there that are that are hanging close to getting fired. Um, so yeah, look at look at the teams that fire their coaches and then pick them to win the next week. I like that stat. I know where you got that stat from. Wageralarm.com stream with Mishy and Howard, John and Pemba. What's your next one? And my next one is another thing that it's kind of a pet peeve of mine, something we talked a lot about, I think, on Alum After Hours, and I'm seeing it again all over chat, is people who are insisting on, quote-unquote, buying low on injured players. I, I, I've gotten so many questions about, you know, should I trade for Julio Jones? Should I trade for Devontae Adams? Should I trade for DJ Tr Guys who are injured. And they'll, you know, should I trade for Christian McCaffrey now? Should I, and it's like, and they're not, they're not giving up value. They're giving up almost what would be like fair value if these guys were healthy. You're not buying low for one. The term is the industry term that's used incorrectly about 99.9% .9 of the time. <laughs> and, and two, why would you want to trade for an injured player? And, and, I, I go over this all the time with people in our chat. And, yeah, the idea, the allure of having a Devontae Adams on your roster or I'm like, and again, these guys are coming back soon. But, you know, back when they were not like Nick Chubb, back, yeah, Nick Chubb the, the allure of having a guy like that on your roster in terms of name value, I understand the appeal. But in practicality, you're trading for an injured player. You're giving up assets on your roster Players that are likely starting for you, I doubt you're just giving up bench junk. And a lot of times, the questions I'm getting, they are giving up guys that are on the starting lineup because they think, well, in three weeks, four weeks, I'm going to get Nick Chubb back. Sure, maybe. Maybe you're going to get Julio Jones back in two or three weeks. But what happened the first time he came back? Re-injured his hamstring. He missed more time. You, why give up healthy players that are helping your roster now for guys that won't help your roster immediately it may not help your roster at all. They could come back and get hurt. How many times was A.J. Green supposed to get on the field last year? The entire season. You know, these things pop up. You know, wasting assets on injured players to me is like the most frustrating question that I see. Um, I, and I wish we could just get it through, um, you know, some of our subscribers' heads a little bit. Not to be harsh about it, but like if you trade guys that are on your roster, how are you supposed to win this week and next week and the week after that? Because you're going to have to go to your bench or go to your waiver wire and put in these replacement-level players, hope to keep you afloat until that guy comes back, if they come back, and if they do come back, be as productive as they were before they were injured. A lot of these times, these guys come back not at 100%, and you don't get much out of them. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Josh Jacobs at the end of last year, like these guys who play through not being 100%, you get less than ideal value. So don't trade for injured players. Don't get sucked into it. Don't think you're getting this great value because you're giving up two players for Nick Chubb or Lamar Jackson, who's clearly hurt right now. Just don't do it. Uh, it's my big PSA, I guess. It's one of my pet peeves. It's just I see it so often, 
in chat. I just don't get the thought process of wanting to acquire somebody who's hurt. I get that. That's not a buy low. It's no, not. It's not a buy low. He's hurt. <laughs> you're like, you're like, and if you got a negative, yeah. Right. If you were if you were trading T Higgins for Julio Jones, sure, maybe that's a buy low. But Higgins is on the field catching footballs, getting in the end zone, and Julio may not see the field again for four weeks. So, sure, all things were considered, all things were healthy. Would you get T Higgins for Julio Jones? No, but you may never get Julio Jones back in the field. So why are you bothering trading for him? <laughs> like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Here's something that I'm bringing to the table that doesn't make sense to me, is that the Saints are threatening to go to Baton Rouge to play games because they're of disagreements with them wanting more fans at the stadium. Guys, it's 2020. Shouldn't we just try to get through the season? Who cares about fans this year? Let's just chalk it up. No fans. Preserve the health of the players as and, best as you can. And by the way, LSU shut down their football program two months ago because it was rampant through their football program. I just I saw that piece. Suppose they did a deep enough cleaning at Tiger Stadium to fix that issue. It's go Tigers. <laughs> I'm just I just gonna say that it, it's just when I saw that it was moronic, and I just want to say that at this point. When it comes to being a fan of sports, you could be a fan virtually. This is 2020. Just enjoy that we have sports. Appreciate it. You don't need to go to the games. You don't. You can just watch them. I'll say this, and I'll throw this. This is extra on what I'm bringing to the table. In fact, I'm going to cut the line, and I'm going to give my number three right now. This may be a little bit of a hot take, but I'd rather watch football all day long on TV then go to the game outside of the Jets being in the Super Bowl, which sells, come on, it's never going to happen. So besides that, I never need to go to a football game. That's the only time I would ever want to go. I'm fine with sitting in front of my TV and watching from the virtually. I almost said the sidelines, virtually. Yeah, I, you know, it's been a while since I've been to a football game myself. I. I don't know. I find viewing it at home to be better. Now, a baseball game I'll go to. I yes. much enjoy to go to a baseball game than a football game. But um, my third one is basically a civic duty shout-out. Please vote. I don't care which side of the aisle you vote for. I don't care what elected officials you're going for. Please vote. Okay? You're... Your birthright in this country is to vote, or if you're a naturalized citizen, you can also vote. Please use it, because here's the thing. If you don't speak your voice, you have no right to complain about the outcome. That's been my rule since I've been legally allowed to vote. If you don't vote, and you could have, I don't care if it's absentee, I don't care if it's mail-in, I don't care if you stand in line for 11 hours to vote early or on November 3rd, please just vote. Okay, that's... I'm not going to make any other comments about it, but just vote and shut up if you don't. And that applies to fantasy football leagues as well. When your commissioner is putting yes. stuff out there early, vote. Vote on the rules. Don't make your commissioner have to chase you because you're too lazy to answer an email or fill out a poll or doodle or whatever the hell it is. So that applies as well in fantasy because this year, with a lot of rules up in the air and knowing not knowing what we were dealing with, I got to say I was – pretty let down not in my leagues but from what i've heard from other people that they're trying to get the rules set and they're chasing league mates around for weeks it shouldn't be that way can't do it john and pemba you're the caboose my friend what's the final thing you're bringing to the table uh yeah it's that baker mayfield isn't a good quarterback uh this is something that we have already known for a while uh jen piacenti <laughs> and myself have been championing this cause for a handful of seasons now uh, and then Pro Football Focus recently tweeted out a tweet specifically, basically proving our point uh, that Baker Mayfield is not a good quarterback. Uh, over the last three seasons, his quarterback grade for Pro Football Focus has gone down significantly at each year. Started off as an 83 
uh, quarterback grade. Now, again, I have pointed out numerous times to some of our loyal listeners who happen to be Browns fans, Kangas man, uh, that the uh, start of the schedule that Baker Mayfield had during his rookie year was among the most favorable schedules you could possibly have during that stretch. He looked great because he was playing teams that had no playoff chances. They were losing records, and he played the Bengals twice during that stretch, and he threw like 10 of his 17 touchdowns or whatever, uh, basically against the Bengals. Uh, 2019, that dropped from an 83 to a 73. We know how bad Baker was last year, under 60% completion percentage. And then this year, it's all the way down to a 66. He's still not getting any better. His players are healthy. The offense is mostly designed better for him to manage the game. He's yet to really have a good fantasy performance. Even in the game in which his team scored 40 points against Dallas, he only had 15 fantasy points. People need to realize that Baker's best asset, really, is probably those stupid commercials he keeps on filming, and I don't even <laughs> think they're that good. But, I mean, he's, he's at least functional in those things. On the field as a quarterback in fantasy, he's basically useless. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. I believe all five of those quarterbacks were in that same draft class. Who would have thought a couple years later, if you're ranking them, it's pretty much Lamar Jackson and then it's Josh Allen? Because I didn't think it would end up that way. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Josh Allen was – those two guys were the biggest projects of the entire draft. Uh, And (laughs) – I mean, they couldn't really throw either to begin the, begin their careers. Jackson figured it out in year two. Allen figured it out in year three. So, uh, you know, being able to throw the football, it means longevity uh, in the NFL if you can get that completion percentage up. But Baker Mayfield sitting around 60% completion percentage isn't going to do it. He's more charisma than he is on-field ability. He's a slightly better Johnny Manziel. Oh, ooh, wow. We just lost all of our Brown sponsor sponsorships and fan base on that one. Yikes. Oh no. He's, he's John and Peppa, Matt sells, Justin Fetzford. That's what we call bringing it to the family table. This has been another edition of the family times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. We'll be back hanging with you next week. We always dominate because there isn't any other option. We just win all together. Just like a family should. <laughs>